1: please take your seats quickly ladies and gentlemen thank you hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to the passing shot with joel and kim supported by DownloadTennis.com on today's tour catch-up pablo Carreño
0: Buster triumphs in hamburg
1: jem's life gets hitched in geneva
0: and novak djokovic confirms his appearance in tokyo
1: Kim we are back with a regular tour catch up no more round by rounds at Grand Sam's. we are back on the tour lots of tournaments to talk about lots of well sadly lots of Olympic withdrawals to talk about and we also have a certain wedding to talk about as well with one Gail Monfils and Elena Svitolina
0: I know Joel, and I wish I could spend the next hour just talking about how amazing Gail Monfisa's outfit was, because <laughs> I love that suit he wore. It's absolutely.
1: Is it a fashion fave?
0: Lovely. Yeah. Absolutely fashion fave. Love the colors that they chose. Looked like a lovely wedding. And, uh, yeah, thumbs up.
1: I saw some some very, very good dance moves that I definitely could not replicate on a dance floor, uh going about on social media by Gail Montfees. He seemed to be very happy and he seemed to be expressing that and cutting some shapes on the dance floor. That uh, you know, I was at a wedding at the weekend and I definitely was not cutting those sorts of shapes
0: (laughs) well what can we say I mean he's a (laughs) entertainer on the court and I suppose off the court as well maybe on a dance floor instead but um yeah whilst they were off uh getting hitched uh we had quite a lot of tennis happening as well (laughs) quite a lot of finals this weekend just gone so I guess um let's start with the Hamburg event ATP 500 um this was quite a, a nice Tournament, um, you know, you have got a Spaniard winning it, Joel, which I always like to see. <laughs> Pablo Carreno bista winning in uh, straight sets all-, all week. He sort of breezed through, um, yeah. and won his uh, yeah first five hundred tournament, I believe.
1: Yeah, he he flew in under the radar. I felt in this tournament, he sort of just kind of went went from strength to strength, match by match. Didn't really, wasn't really challenged at all, all week. I thought Kranjevic was going to give him more of a test than he did in the final. PCB won it 6-2, 6-4. I think, you know, things were obviously, you know, on the line for both of the players. You know, for Kranjevic, I think everyone sort of accepts he's one of these players. A bit like Ogier Aliasib at the top of the tree. Cam Norrie's probably in the category as well of of really, really good players who are very, very close to winning their first ever ATP title. I think this was kranjevic's I think it was his four final. Um, so he's now one zero, lost four. You could see how disappointed he was, I think, in the in the uh the ceremony afterwards there were, you know, sadly there were tears there, but you know, it shows how much, you know, it obviously means to him. But Kerenyo Buster, let's start with him, because yeah, he was in that final just very, very good, very, very solid. I think we all know we all know about Kerenjo Buster's game and any sort of weakness you show I think he's very good at kind of exploiting it and for him this was his you know this was the most prestigious title that he's won so that was on the line kind of going into the final and the fact that he's now got an ATP 500 trophy in his cabinet he will he will be very pleased with that
0: absolutely and yeah he served really well especially in the final converted all his break points mm. whereas krovic wasn't able to to convert so yeah he was just sort of better on on every level really on, on that final and i mean krovic will be looking back to to how he performs in finals a bit like um you know faa you know he's now in this sort of category of not being able to win uh, a final and, you know, four isn't as bad as how many's FAA on eight, I think. But, you know, he might well be getting there. And I guess, you know, he's, um, I think he's pretty much been in finals sort of every other year almost. So it, it's not like they're coming around that often. So no. he'll be wanting to, um, to, to get one eventually.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, he, He is a, you know, he is a marvellous player. And I think, you know, they both have very similar styles, you know, from the back of the court doing similar things. But I think the the biggest difference, I think, between Kranjevic and PCB in that final was the, I think the mental fragility Kranjevic has. That's still, I think, an area of, I think, of concern in his game. And he does have, I think, moments where he sort of self-combusts and goes on a bit of a walkabout in a... You know, Alexander Bublik, Nick Kyrgios sort of way. And it doesn't necessarily help him kind of get over the line. And, you know, it was disappointing for him, you know, especially because, you know, early on in the tournament, he took out the top seed, he took out Sisypas in three sets and he kind of felt with that win under his belt on the clay, the fact that obviously Sissipas got to the, the French open final, he would have probably expected to go on and, and make the most of that, you know, that top seed kind of killing and go and win the title.
0: Yeah, because it's past, you know, this is, you know, back on clay, you know, Hamburg is a clay court event. So he had a disappointing Mm. grass court season or one match. And then, you know, back on the clay. (laughs) We call
1: it a season kid.
0: (laughs) You would have thought that he would have been back up there. But yeah, Mm. losing to Krajniewicz in the quarterfinals, I think it was. Um, especially, you know, 6 1, 6 3, those last two sets. So, I don't think he'll, he'll be too happy about, about his week in Hamburg. Um, and I know he, uh, he broke one of his rackets in half. That was
1: amazing. I have never seen, I, I mean, we don't see that often, do we? Cause it, it snapped like in, it snapped in the middle. It wasn't like he destroyed the frame or anything. He just sort of swung at the ball and like the, the top half of it decided to launch itself across the court.
0: Yeah, it was a uh, complete destruction, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean PCB obviously clearing up where you got a big, big name top seed not able to to do it, and then your second seed comes along. Lovely title for him. Although Joel, you know, you're not very happy with with the tri- the the title, the, the title, <laughs> the actual trophy that, oh. that PCB was holding up. You you're not a fan, I, I gather.
1: I'm not. This is not a this is not a title fave. It just looks a bit odd. I don't really understand where, what they what they're going for. I'm sure there's a, you know, a marvelous backstory to it, but for me it just looks like a I don't know, like a bar graph, bar graph that's gone a bit haywire in the that sort of yellow line that's gone like up and down and then it's got the text, so it just looks a bit of a mess to me. But I know that I know we were having a fierce debate about this this title because I think I think you love it, but only because it is in the hands of a Spaniard.
0: Well, possibly <laughs> but i do think that it's a modern uh you know contemporary oh, t- a trophy course, so i think you, you've got to appreciate the artisticness <laughs> behind it <laughs> can't always have a gold cup can we
1: i mean i was appreciating the fact that i mean dare dare i say it kim benoit pair has maybe found his mojo again on a tennis court now he didn't, you know, he didn't get to a, a semi-final or a final, although he probably should have. I think he had match points against Delbonis, but he secured back-to-back wins on the ATP tour. Oh my God. That, that has, I think that had only happened once this season.
0: But Joel, I don't want to sort of rain on your parade. One of those was a retirement because Barrankis retired.
1: We can skip over that kid. And Come the on. second
0: one was against Juan Pablo Maríes from Peru, who I mean, have you ever heard of him? I'm not, you know, not wanting to negate his talent, <laughs> but you know, I think pair pair kind of scraped through that in two tight sets. And uh, but you know, a win is a win. Not going to. I mean, he that.
1: he will be very disappointed. I think not beating Delbonis. I mean, four six seven six six four to Delbonis. I think pair had multiple match points uh maybe you know the fact that he's forgotten how to win was one of the reasons that didn't help him but again the fact that he's tasted victory twice in the tournament i feel like that's a that's a celebration uh in itself
0: indeed and uh, i mean let's look at the other sort of talking point i guess that came out of this week which was Pass's comments about coaching um and he kind of came out and said that he believes that coaching should be allowed in tennis like throughout the match on every point um that you know he said we're probably one of the only global sports that doesn't use coaching during the play and that we should make it legal um what do you make of that i mean it's sort of i it doesn't strike me that sitspass is one of those players that like would maybe need constant coaching um you know I, I certainly he's he's having an all right career so far isn't he it's it's not like you know he's in dire need of this but perhaps he he does think that it would benefit him and, and also others.
1: Yeah I get the impression from his point of view he thinks that this is something that is going on already mm. and the umpires aren't really I mean there are instances I think where the umpires are clocking on to it and giving violations for it but more often than not it's just going on and the umpires not really doing anything about it and I think that's where this sort of message has has kind of come from, in the in the sense that this is already happening, so why can't we just sort of embrace it a lot more? um You know, I- I'm I'm still I'm still in a bit of a disagreement. I still am a bit like, you know, once you step out on the court, that's what makes tennis so fascinating. It's it's you and you are al- you alone, and you know you've got to you've got to figure it out for yourself and. You know, to, to your point, I, I, I agree. I think Pass has a, one of the, you know, the better, one of the, one of the better kind of tennis brains, one of the thinking brains, I think, on tour. And I actually think this is an advantage to him and kind of saying something like this is almost, it's, it's almost equalizing out what I think he has, you know, what is a big part of his game. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still not, not, not too sure. And again, I'm not, again, I don't think every point is, is I feel that feels a bit too excessive. I mean, maybe, for example, at the end of the set, yeah, that's that's absolutely fine. We've seen it be incorporated, I think, quite well on the obviously on the WTA tour. Um, but perhaps there needs to be some sort of some sort of reassessment on the ATP side of things.
0: Yeah, I mean the WTA, there there is still limits on, you know, when Mm. a coach can coach and come onto the court and speak to their player. So perhaps they could introduce you know some elements, but I mean, I did quite enjoy the the Kyrios uh, oh, Sitspass yes. bats uh, banter on Twitter. Mm. You know, Kyrios uh, came out saying, "I usually don't mind Sitspass's ideas, but this one is terrible." <laughs> and um, Sitspass then replied that he would get Kyrios a coach because I think Kyrios is actually uncoached at the moment. He doesn't seem to be travelling with anyone, sort of full time. He doesn't seem to be travelling much at all, per se. But, um. And yeah, obviously, Kyrios has—he has, uh, came back saying that you know he'd already he'd done fine against Sitspas, and because he's beaten him both times they've played, I think. So, um I love a bit of no Nick Kyrios getting involved in any kind of
1: yeah. Issue
0: going
1: on in tennis. (laughs) I'd love for there to be some sort of coaching fiasco when they next meet because that is that is gonna that is going to be inevitable. But yeah, Nick Kyrgios getting in on the act. I mean, I think a lot of people have a lot of kind of split opinions on this, and it is going to bring up, I think, you know, reasons to have testing or some sort of testing events. I would not be surprised if we have. um, You know, we've seen at the uh, you know the next gen finals them having a little headset uh, between coach off the court player on the court you know there might be different formats and, and ways of communicating that are trialed whether you know the player the coach can actually come on to the court i don't know if that you know w- how will that be allowed in, in this socially distanced world but i feel like in the future yeah maybe we we, w- we should probably get a few more tournaments where they incorporate coaching in some sort of way just to see how game players kind of use it or, or, or even not use it um you know, it's not. I think it's clear. It's it's one of these things that is not going to be to everyone's everyone's liking.
0: Yeah, and it's not going to happen overnight. So we'll uh, watch this space. <laughs> um, but let's look at the other tournaments that happened last week because we had Newport uh, on the grass out in in Rhode Island, and yeah, Kevin Anderson won this one, which was really nice to see because it's his first title in two two long years, and um, you know, it's really nice to see him kind of back to winning ways. On a grass court, as as you know, his game is so well suited to grass, as we know. He, you know, he's a former Wimbledon finalist, but um, yeah, he uh he had to come through um in quite a, a tough battle against Jensen Brooksby, a very young American who um I believe was in his yeah his very first final and um has been kind of rampaging his way through the Challenger tour of late, and uh, yeah, made his his debut uh, final on, on the ATP level.
1: Yeah, it was a final I think that was had two players very much at the kind of the the opposite ends of the experience spectrum, you know, Kevin Anderson, as you said, Grand Slam finalist, has, you know, been there, been on the big, you know, big stages. We know that he very much likes to perform on the grass court, whereas Jensen Brooksby on the other side of the net is, uh, you know, an up and coming American, I think he's 20 years old, unseeded in this event, just kind of come rampaging through the draw. Really, really impressive stuff from him um and yeah they, they met in the final and you know Kevin Anderson came through two tight sets seven six six four um yeah it was it was really nice to see I think and you know for Anderson you know what it reminded me of was you know, that that match he had against Djokovic um, in, in Wimbledon I and mean, the fact that Djokovic took him apart really in, in three sets and the fact that Anderson went on to go and win uh you know, the, the, the the following grass court event in Newport, it just just reminded me of how well Djokovic was able to handle a uh, you know a dangerous opponent in Anderson, and you know I thought it was interesting that I think Anderson said he he literally went here on a on a whim. I think he took a last minute invitation. There was no sort of there wasn't a lot of planning involved. I think it was just like you know I'm just going to go here, see what happens, and yeah he he came through came through it. He won, um, and I think he is going to be back in the top one hundred at uh, top. He's back in the top one hundred. I think he's now um, confirmed his place as well at the US Open in the main draw. So, yeah, really good week I think for Anderson, but also again really good week for Jensen Brooksby.
0: Yeah, exactly. Brooksby is now I think kind of just outside the top one hundred. He's, he's at one two six. So. Probably won't be too much longer before he's in the top 100. I think he's struggled quite a bit with injuries over the last couple of years. So I think he'll be very pleased that it's sort of finally all coming together. And, you know, he's had to make a lot of sacrifices and stay very disciplined during yeah. his his time out of the game. So I think he'll be very pleased.
1: I mean, another player who, again, has just been eating up wins on the challenger tour um he's won 32 of 37 matches contested across all levels in 2021 so he really has been eating up all those victories and again just watching him on on court he had a very very good win in the semis against jordan thompson i think his movement is really good he's got that sort of explosive energy and i think tenacity that you know we i think we typically see in in americans but sometimes i feel like they're not necessarily able to kind of Back it up when they get when they get to the ball, but you know some of the shots he was letting off, particularly on the run. Were were the things that I think most you know impressive to me. I think Anderson also spoke about his work ethic, saying that he was the player that he saw most on the the practice court. So it sounds like he's he's making up for lost time given those injury troubles I think he had you know for the majority of of twenty twenty. So um yeah, it's good to see another American. I think you know sort of making their way up steadily up the the rankings. And again, it'll be another fascinating one to see how far he can go.
0: Yeah, it might be a dark horse to watch out for at the mm. US Open, you know, to get like a big win, perhaps in an early round. I assume if he's not in the rankings cutoff, he would get a wild card,
1: you know, given his his good performances of late. So we'll have to see on that one. I mean, he had that he had that win against Thomas Burditch, um, you know, the US Open in 2019 Um, in the first round. And then it was sort of like, oh, where's he gone? But yeah, he's definitely got he's definitely got potential.
0: Absolutely. And let's move across to uh, the Bastad tournament in Sweden, uh, which was won by Kaspar you know, Scandi, winning on Scandi territory, I suppose. <laughs> um, and yeah, this was a pretty comfortable final again. I think Kaspar was extremely comfortable, comfortable all yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he won against Federico Coria 6-3, 6-3 in the final um, but yeah, Rude didn't drop a set all week, had a walkover as well. Um, so came through very, very nicely, probably, you know, barely breaking a sweat. Um, what was quite nice is that his dad, Christian, was a finalist back at this tournament in 1995. So, uh, many years on, what, 26 years on, um, his son has, has gone one better and actually won, won the tournament. So, uh, yeah, really nice to see. And, um, I mean, Corea, you know, Doing well outside of South America as well on a, on a Norwegian, <laughs> on a Swedish clay court.
1: I know. What was that about? Oh, that, that took me by surprise. No. Um, yeah, no, really, really impressive stuff. I mean, see Coria in a clay final. Um, you know, I think that was his, you know, his, his best career achievement to date, we know he's a pretty solid clay quarter but again we know how good Casper rude is and uh again he's going to be a very exciting prospect for the future i feel like he's just beating his dad i think we his dad is slowly i think he's, he's i don't know how many records he's got left i don't think it's a lot um but it feels like rude has like overtaken a lot of his uh his father's kind of accomplishments i think they have a lot of kind of jokes about it but um yeah, really, really, really impressive stuff. Again, I think his kind of ground strokes, particularly his heavy, you know, his heavy spin on his kind of forehand, particularly, I think a lot of players just did not, just were not able to kind of cope with it. And it was nice, I think, to see Ruud, uh, you know, obviously not from Sweden, but from... Uh, you know from scandinavia win in front of uh you know probably in front of kind of home support it was interesting he took out holger rune who you know a lot of people are talking about um in the first in his first match he had a had a buy into the second round he took out holger rune and two. so um sort of showed i think who's boss um and then kind of yeah got a walk over and then cut his Bay his bayon uh, in the uh semi-finals as well so yeah pretty routine week for him
0: definitely um and i mean there's not really too much to say more on that one it's the second <laughs> title of the year but yeah very um dominant week for gasperud and uh, it's nice to see i think he's a really he's a really great bloke and uh, i saw quite a bit of him at wimbledon playing in the doubles um with uh Oh, I forget his name. It was a, a, a Swedish bloke um, who. E-mare? was it Ymer? No, he doesn't seem to play singles. It was oh, someone okay. who's probably a double specialist, but they were quite a good pairing anyway. They they took out the Lopez's in the first round. So, um, but yeah, happy for Casper Ruud. Um, let's look ahead. Uh, sorry, let's look across at the WTA events, Joel, because again, we had three WTA tournaments going on last week. Uh, let's start in. In Hungary, in Budapest, uh, where we had Putinsva winning, uh, she was the top seed. She came through winning the title, um, against, well, it was again quite a straightforward final against Anna Helena Kalanina, 6'4", 6 love. Um, this is only Putinsva's second career singles title. I just kind of would have assumed she had more than that. Um, you know, she's been around for quite a while. She's very feisty. I just kind of was surprised to hear that. But um, this is her first title since, I think, about two years ago when she won Nuremberg. So um, back to winning ways. I mean, not going to lie, it wasn't the sort of strongest of fields. There's quite a lot of, I think, local wildcards um, in the fields, and one of which got to the semifinals, uh, Dalma Galfi to Hungarian. So nice to see some of the home hopes doing quite well.
1: It's been quite interesting and, you know, we'll, we'll come on to it. But there's definitely been you know, conversations about the fact that, you know, a lot of players at the moment are on you know, route to the Olympics, on route to Tokyo and, you know, all these players are sort of filling these draws. You know, obviously they want, uh, you know, lower ranked players wanting to get all the WTA ranking points that they can get their hands on, you know, sensing an opportunity. But you do wonder with some, of, you're looking at some of these draws, are they the most competitive? Are they even fit arguably for a, you know, WTA 250 level? I'm not sure. Um but yeah, it was a good win I think for Putinsever. She's got a terrible she's got a terrible finals record. I think she's I think she's like now I think she's now I think she was going into this tournament 1 and 8 in in finals record again not a great uh not a great record, but you know as a top seed she did the business um and yeah, was kind of very impressive. Um I think if you watch the highlights Kim, you could probably sum up the match by death by drop shot. The number of drop shots Putinsva did uh to her opponent, Kalinina, was just it, it was a lot. Felt like she was quite clearly just trying to knacker out her opponent um at the end of a week, just uh yeah, by making her run to the net.
0: Yeah, and although okay, Sputinsafer does have a dreadful finals record. That's probably why she doesn't have that many titles, because she hasn't not been getting there. It's just she can't mm. convert. Mm. Uh, but her opponent, Kalanina, you know, this was her first final. She hadn't even been to, I think, a quarter final before this week, so extremely inexperienced. Um, has has a kind of a bit like Jensen Brooksby, has been doing the business kind of on the lower level, um, and has won sort of two, I guess like ITF events um, had won, I think her last 14 matches on clay. So was coming into the final with very good form. And I think we'll be in the top hundred now as a result of getting to the final, but just wasn't able to, to really compete, especially in that second set kind of really came away from her um, after she dropped the first one. So, um, yeah, very good for Putinsva. Um She'll be heading to the Olympics immediately uh, now after that win. <laughs> um, I think she scheduled originally herself to play in the Polish event happening this week and then realised that it clashes with the Olympics. And so she's had to <laughs> withdraw from yep. that one.
1: Yep. She was the top seed there. And I, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the scheduling was, but she was the top seed in the main draw and then realized, Oh, I can't be in two places at once. I can't be in Tokyo and I can't be in Poland at the same time. And yeah, she dropped out, I think after the cutoff and it's all caused a bit of a hoo-ha in Poland whilst, uh, has gone on a flight, I think, to, um, to Tokyo. So uh yeah to go to go from clay to hardcourt. So uh yeah be a, again, she'll be an interesting character I think to watch to see how she kind of progresses. But um yeah I mean it's 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 kind of funny because you know all the tournaments we've had at the moment, a lot of top seeds have been kind of going through and kind of winning uh their, you know the the event and the same took place in Lausanne um at the ladies open. We had Tamara Zidanzek uh, who did very well at the French Open you might remember go on and win in Lausanne on the clay, beat a Frenchman, sorry, Frenchman, French woman. Oh my God. French woman, Clara Burrell in the final, uh, former world junior number one. Um, But Zidanecek, I think just sort of, I mean, it was a couple of two kind of edgy, I think first and and second set, but Burrell, I think just sort of faded in that third and, and Zidanecek won four, six, seven, six, six, one. So, yeah, really impressive from Zidane Zek, who again not not, pro- not not proving that she was just a kind of a flash in the pan with that semi final at the French Open, doing really well and, and backing that up, which I think has been you know very very impressive from her.
0: Yeah, because getting to that semi, you know, that having that run and and being able to finally get like her first um, her first title because she reached a final earlier in the year, but to to finally kind of. Mm. Break through that hurdle and uh, to get it. She's now in the top 40 as well. So um, it's all paying off nicely for her. I I, I approved also of this title, uh, Joel. It was a nice sort of glass, like Swiss mountain effect. I thought it was quite a nice one. Um, So, yeah, fantastic for her. I mean, just a note on Clara Burrell. Um, a lot of hype around her, actually, especially in France. She's a former junior, world number one you know, is she going to be the player that perhaps we thought, you know, the likes of Garcia and like Fiona Ferro. you know, she's also flying around there. Borel actually beat her as well in this tournament. So there's a whole host of like, you know, young French women, but I don't know, maybe Borel might be, um, might be one to watch. Certainly she's obviously just kind of starting out on the, the adult circuit. Um, I think she's definitely got a lot of work to, to do, but um, you know, good week for her.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, I think, in terms of things she could work on, I certainly, I feel like there are things that any, any Junior can work on, particularly, I think, in terms of her fitness and maybe, you know, playing the big points really well. I mean, she was two points from victory in the final. Um, you know, I think there are some, you know, again, some people I think will be like, how did Burrell lose that final? But, um, you know, again, I think she's a player who is definitely a kind of a hot prospect for France. The fact that she beat... Her French compatriots, Ferro and Garcia, en route to the final, I think says it all really. And really, really kind of impressive. And no doubt with kind of more time on the tour, more matches under her belt, she'll gain more experience. So that, you know, when she will probably get to, you know, another WTA kind of final in the future, she can sort of draw back on these experiences and maybe kind of help her get over the line because, you know, she won... She won that first set and, you know, was in a very tight tie break in that second set. So it, she very easily could have, you know, won won the match. But, you know, Zizan is a very, very tough competitor and she, you know, she did not let it go. And as soon as she won that second set, it was Burrell sort of folded. So, again, perhaps, you know, there's, there's obviously things to work on. But again, a very, very good showing from Burrell and I think showing that you know the French French tennis fans but also I think just fans in general that she could be a you know she could be a dangerous player I think uh, you know in the yeah, in the future if she's able to kind of weave her way consistently into the, the WTA tour and who knows into Grand Slam majors as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Probably wouldn't want to necessarily face her first round. Mm. Some a top seed might come unstuck at a yep. grand slam. Um, but yeah, the Lausanne, they had a all Swiss, uh, women's doubles, uh, pairing win that title. Uh, Bandecci and Walt Walter. So, um, the home, the home crowd had, had something to cheer for as well. I'm not going to lie, I haven't heard of Bandeci and and in <laughs> the women's doubles there, but um, nice from all Swiss pairing. <laughs>
1: there was so much rain, Kim, at this event. I think there was like the equivalent of like three days worth of rain. Mm. And it was almost a miracle that they were able to get this done on Sunday. Um, so massive credit, I think, goes to the <laughs> tournament organisers for getting this one done because this was one that was massively I think, impacted by the weather.
0: I swear when organisers, you know, have loads of matches to catch up on, they must be like praying for like whitewashes, you know, six love, six one. They must just, Definitely. you know, be like solidly cheering for whoever wins the first set.
1: I, it's funny saying those things because at the moment we're just going through a massive heat wave in the, in the UK and around London. And yeah, to hear like rain in Switzerland, that doesn't sound right. But obviously, it, well, obviously it happens. And uh, yeah, it all, it all seemed to fall on, on Lausanne uh last week.
0: Absolutely. Um, And let's not forget, we also had the Prague event uh, in the Czech Republic, uh, which was won by Barbora Khrushcheva. Surprise, surprise. Um, She wasn't the top seed, uh, but Kvitova Kvitova was there, but lost in the first round. So um, I think after that point, Khrushcheva was pretty much the favourite. You know, she's been in such good form of late. Uh, You know, she's won like 20 of her last 21 matches. And That's um, that's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously she won Strasbourg, Roland Garros and, and now Prague. So her hot streak is very much continuing and she absolutely thrashed, uh, Teresa Martinkova. Her compatriot uh, for the loss of just two games in just over an hour. So yeah, it was two all in the first set, and then she just won, <laughs> you know, the last ten mm. games. So um, nicely done from from Barbora. She did have a tough uh, match earlier in the week against uh, Bonaventure. Uh, I say tough; it was still straight sets, but t- tough by her standards. And um, but yeah, she's she's come through and just showing. Yeah, she's sort of transformed, isn't she, Joel? She's almost mm. knocking on the top 10 now.
1: Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, you know, her last two losses, I think, have been to Sveon Tech and, and Barty. And Barty was at Wimbledon. and She went on to, you know, to win the thing. So she's doing really, really well. And she's becoming one of those players who, I mean, not, not too long away from being in a very, very accomplished doubles player and a very, very accomplished singles player. And the fact that, you know, she's, She's doing so well. This is highlighting, I think, all of the the learnings that she's taken from the doubles and applied it to the singles. And you know, look, look where it's taking her. She's probably the most in form player at the moment. I love how the I love the no fuss attitude she has on a tennis court. You can tell. I think she's grown in confidence since, you know, since the French Open um and it's just she's got a little bit of a swagger but at the same time she's a very she's very nice and very kind of um you know very kind of calm on on the court you know she's not a she's not a very emotional player i think she's in that sort of karolina push quite silent quite of quite of you know almost kind of that silent killer type just kind of goes about her business but can just rack up winners and make you hit unforced errors and and um it's it's been really really impressive over the last few months
0: yeah, also quite nice for her because um Jana Novotna, who used to coach her was, you know, good friends with her. Um, funnily enough, Novotna won the Prague event, this very same event. Um after winning her first Grand Slam trophy at, at Wimbledon in so they did you know she did that in the same year and Khrushchev has done the same thing except obviously her slam was Roland Garros so sort of a weird sort of re- repetition going on there as well but um I suppose you probably can draw lots of comparisons in between the two of them but um yeah really nice to see Khrushchev but she's also playing the Olympics so she's another player that's going to be straight on that plane to Tokyo and you know if she can kind of Adapt very quickly. She's yeah. got to be one of the the favourites to, to win that. To be quite honest with you, based on her her recent form, her attitude on the court, so um, she'll look forward to watching her with much intrigue.
1: I mean, you know, she turned up at Wimbledon. I don't think having played a grass court match, and then you know, she got to what well, she got to the quarterfinals and gave Barty a really, you know, fourth tough, round. I think it was uh, fourth but, round. Yeah, yeah, and it
0: was. It's a tough match against Barty, nevertheless, yeah. especially yeah. that first set. Yeah. So
1: I've got no doubt that she can just turn up to an event and do and do well on it based based on that, based on this. Um, you know, the fact that this was on Wis was on hard court. You know, she chose one of the hard court events again. I think will help her. So yeah. I think she'll be an interesting one to watch, um, when the, the Olympics does start. Cause I think she would, could be one of the, the contenders definitely for a medal. Yep.
0: Yeah, the Czechs, uh, will be, you know. Waiting with bated breath to see if she can do it, and they also had um Czech doubles winners in Prague, Buskova and Radetska. Um, they won the doubles title, so it's a, a, a full sweep for for the Czechs uh, out in Prague. So, um, yeah, lovely stuff, Joel. We are going to now take a quick break, but we do hope everyone can join us in the second half. We'll be talking about the Olympics again, uh, Bashinsky's retirement uh, from tennis, and also Jem's life getting married. So, do not go anywhere. This is the passing shot with Joel and Kim, supported by download And now we're gonna move on to first of all, a path for the courts, Joel. It's <laughs> been a long time since we've it done has one been. of these.
1: It has been a long time, hasn't it? But yes, we are back with another path for the courts. Kim, the last time we did this, you were you gave me a wrong answer and then you gave me like all the right answers. So I feel like you've got you've got an opportunity here, a shot at a shot at redemption.
0: I just need to be more strategic of the order of my <laughs> answers, I think, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, okay, right. Um, so, listeners, if you if you haven't played along with us before for our for the course, essentially, I am going to give a topic to Kim and set a pass score, and Kim uh, will try and get that pass score without giving me a wrong answer. So, Kim, are you ready for your subject? I am indeed. Okay, so... My question is this. Uh, I am looking for the 12 different semi-finalists at Grand Slams this season on the women's side. Ooh, so we have okay. had the Australian Open. We have had the French Open and we have had Wimbledon. And we have had 12 different semi-finalists. So, uh, you know, if, if it's... Twelve different individuals, which is kind of which is kind of crazy. It doesn't really happen. I feel like that often, but again, it shows the depth in talent that is on the WTA tour that we so often talk about. Um, so I'm looking for those twelve, those twelve names, and I think I think this is quite. I feel like this is quite up your street. So I'm going to set the par score. Qu- I'm going to set the par score quite high here. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with eight. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am going to say I'm looking for eight semi-finalists, uh, eight ladies semi-finalists in, in Grand Slam singles this season.
0: I think I can get
1: them all, Joel. Oh, I, I know oh, that sounds a bit God, like big-headed, big doesn't it? But big
0: <laughs> I will start with Wimbledon and go backwards. Okay. I think obviously that's the most recent. So let's begin with Ash Barty. Correct. Angelique Kerber. Correct. Karolina Pishkova
1: Correct.
0: And Irina Sabalenka. Correct. Phew. Okay, now <laughs> Roland Garros, which was technically only just around the corner. So, mm. uh, Barbora Krzyczkova. Correct. Anastasia Pavlichenkova. <laughs>
1: correct is Tamara
0: Tamara Zidanzek who we've just spoken about
1: that is correct yes
0: and um Maria Zachary it was her wasn't it she lost in that epic
1: that is correct yes Woo. Maria Zachary so that is is eight. Oh my god you just blitzed it yes you have, you have achieved par for the courts well done Kim but I, you know, you've you have now sort of said that you think you could do a hundred percent. So I am fully expecting you to get the uh, the first four at the Australian Open, which probably are the the uh, maybe the toughest ones.
0: Yeah, I've had a little bit of time to think about it because I started with Wimbledon. But um, so if it had been like on the buzzer immediately, I might have said the wrong answer. <laughs> but um, Naomi Osaka, obviously, she won the thing. Correct. Uh, Jennifer Brady got to the final. Yes, very good. Uh, Serena Williams, I think lost at Osaka in the semi didn't she
1: yes she did yes I always forget I forget that happened but yes yeah. it did. Yeah.
0: and then uh the last one is Karolina Mukova, I believe
1: yes that is <laughs> yes. correct yes a full house Well done.
0: gosh that's never happened before is it Getting all
1: right <laughs> I feel like there are people out there still bitter about that Mukova, uh that Mukova loss because yeah she was um Everyone thought, everyone felt that she maybe could have got to the final and had that win over Jen Brady, but it just didn't materialise, did it?
0: No, it was not to be. Um, but yeah, good one, Joel. Um, it's definitely cemented that knowledge into my head. So I hope our <laughs> listeners enjoyed uh, testing themselves as well. Uh, we've got a well, got a mailbag question um, from Liam who got in touch with us on Twitter. So thanks very much, Liam. Um, he said. Hi Joel and Kim. Love the show. Uh, my question is if you were professional tennis players and were offered the opportunity to go to the Olympics this year, would you go? Uh, obviously very topical. because a lot of players aren't going <laughs> for various reasons. Um, mm. what about you, Joel? What, what do you think?
1: Ah, oh, yeah. So I, maybe controversial, maybe not. Um, I would not go. Um, I would not go to Tokyo. I just think the situation is just too mad at the moment. Uh, it's for personally from just kind of hearing it in the news it doesn't feel like the situation is is under control um you know we're hearing stories of already in the olympic village of people testing positive um and you know we know there's going to be loads of restrictions i mean karen kachanov's there the 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 uh, the the village the bedrooms are not very tall um, which I feel like would be and it would impact me I feel like i would getting loads of bumps on the head um,
0: I thought you were being a bit rude then Joel saying oh Karen <laughs> Hatchov's there so clearly I wouldn't go <laughs> no, what's he I'm ever saying, done to offend I'm you I'm just saying I felt
1: I don't know if the the rooms have been built for slightly smaller slightly smaller athletes but um, yeah I just feel like you know I, you know seriously yeah I'm just don't think the situation is is there therefore. Uh, you know i'd rather i would rather focus on the us open hard courts stick in what stick and stay in one country and just and maybe and maybe just do that or maybe you know maybe have a quick quick a quick uh quick plane over to toronto for um for the masters in, in canada but yeah i'm just i'm just not sure any other time when the situation is under control or you know hopefully is is not a even a talking point then absolutely yes i would want to you know represent my country but i think for this one it's uh it's a no from me kim Mm
0: -hmm. i suppose it depends how much you like value the olympics as a you know because for tennis players you know it's not the be all and end all is it unlike other sports so i think if you're chasing a grand slam title you know i think us open should be prioritized but if you're maybe someone who's probably unlikely to ever win a grand slam you'd be like I'm going to go to the Olympics because that's a bit more unique for this one year. But, um, and also I'm, I'm a short person, so I don't mind the size of the rooms. So are you going
1: to go? Are you, is that uh, are you? I would,
0: would go, you go. I would go. Okay. I would go. Um, I'm antisocial and short anyway, so I don't need to have a <laughs> well, this. Sounds like
1: your dream then.
0: Pomp and circumstance and tall ceilings. So there we go. Um, but talking about the Olympics, you know, there have been a number of names that have pulled out. You know, obviously we already know knew that Rafa wasn't going. Federer's also announced his withdrawal due to a knee injury, uh, like a setback that he suffered during Wimbledon. Serena's not playing. Uh, Dominic teams not playing. Shapovalov, uh, Andreescu, Halep, Kenin, they're all out, um some of whom have, you know, out through injury, um, rather than sort of just forsaking the Olympics. But we do have some players there. I mean Novak Djokovic has confirmed because you know there were debates about whether he would or not go, but obviously he wants the golden slam, so he will he will be there, barring a, a positive test, which do seem to be happening quite a lot, like you said.
1: It's funny because we, we we were speaking the fact you know the the golden slam is it possible and you know we just assumed I think that Djokovic was going to kind of go after it and you know wasn't really much of a debate I think after you know that Wimbledon final of if uh, if he would play the Olympics but you know he's he was you know he I think he rated himself at fifty fifty at the time but you know he's probably seen that this is a a big opportunity given that. The fact that a lot of top players aren't going to be there. Yes, there are still going to be hurdles. You know, Medvedev, Sissipas, Zverev, Rublev are going to be there. Um, the fact that also this is going to be is best of three up to the final, which is best of five, again, might, uh, you know, might go against him, um, you know, compared to kind of Grand Slam's where it's best of five all the time. He's not also got a particularly great record um, at the Olympics. So... You know, it's not you know, it's not necessarily a kind of a given, but I think you know Tokyo will be happy that at least there is one real big star, particularly on the men's side. I think that is going to be there because if if Djokovic had decided, you know, this isn't for me, it, you know, it it really would have, I think, I think consolidated a position that I think is being kind of talked about at the moment in terms of you know where does the Olympics sort of rank for for tennis players or it just generally in the scheme of of tennis and for a lot of people it's just uh you know they'd rather chase grand slam titles than olympic medals
0: yeah for a lot of people it's just a nice little extra isn't it and um i mean I, i i i you know I understand that point of view. I mean, some people probably think it shouldn't even be in the Olympics at all. So there's different arguments, isn't there? I mean, on the women's side, they've obviously got Osaka, who will be back in action. You know, this is her home country. So she's very much wanting to be there. Also got a new Netflix documentary that's been released. So lots of hype around her. Barty is going, Sabalenka, Svisalina, Pliskova, Muguruza, Svjantek. So um, a whole host of top, top names still there, despite, you know, despite withdrawals.
1: Kim, uh when he means Svitolina, you obviously mean Elena oh, feast
0: Yeah. Is she ta- is she changing her name? I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I
1: think I yeah, well, it's on the WTA website. So oh, really uh, oh yeah.
0: fantastic. Oh wow, how cool will that be? <laughs> That's how gonna mean? get used to
1: gotta get used to that, aren't we? Uh on the uh on the on the scoreboard. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the I think generally the, the women's draw is got is more interesting, you know, again, Krzychitschkava as well. Um it's gonna be you know, I I again I think this might be one of those events where I think a lot of people as tennis fans might be looking more at the women's matches than the men's side. I think everyone is thinking, again, a little bit like Wimbledon that Novak Djokovic is just going to come here and just sort of swan his way through to the final and get and get a gold medal. Um whereas on the women's side it feels like there's a lot of there's a lot of dangerous contenders about.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a lot more, I guess, open again, perhaps. <laughs> but I think with the Olympics, like we saw before, with Monica Puig winning, um, it, and Fernando Gonzalez back in the day, or Nicolas Masu, sorry, yeah, Gonzalez didn't win, Masu won. Um, okay, my Chileans mixed up. Um, you know, it, it kind of is rife for for someone who isn't the top seed to win let's just say that much
1: are you expecting monica pui to de- to defend her title is that she's what you're
0: not saying? no she's she's pulled out unfortunately oh, she? she's oh, okay. injured yeah so she she won't um but i would say someone perhaps uh well i mean i'm annoyed that cam is not there because i would have thought that with his recent run of form like there's a real opportunity for someone of his sort of rank to to perhaps get a medal even or someone maybe tfo you know, a lot of the top Americans are yeah. out. Yeah. Um, he played well at Wimbledon. I don't know, I'm just kind of yeah. I feel like someone in that kind of vein might do very well. But um it starts on Saturday. It's come around very, very soon. So we shall um, you know, watch with interest and we'll be back to sort of talk about it next week, won't we, while it's going on. Um, let's just kind of cover, I guess, some of the other news from this week, Joel, because um, we've had a retirement, unfortunately, uh, which was Timea Puszynski retiring from professional tennis. So um, she hasn't really, I guess, been around for a while. I suppose she's been struggling quite a bit with, with injury and, and what have you. But um, for anyone that remembers, you know, she was at one point a, a top 10 player on the women's side. Uh, I think she reached two Roland Garros semifinals. Silver um, medal. Yep. So, silver medal in the doubles, I think, at the Rio Olympics. Yeah, with uh, yeah, Hingis. With Martina
1: Hingis. I mean, mm. Ma- that was Martina Hingis's le- longevity is remarkable. I, I did not think, I did not think until I was kind of reading this and sort of kind of re- replaying Bajinski's sort of highlights in my head that, um, yeah, she won a she won a silver medal with with Martina Hingis at the 2016 Olympics.
0: Yeah, and um, I mean. Obviously, she was a compatriot of, of Hingis, but um, I think you know Bajinitski. She really had like her best two years, sort of 2015, 2016. She was very lowly ranked, I think, coming back from surgery, and she sort of steamrolled her way up. Um, won most improved player of the year award, um, got to those semi finals, and I think one of those semi finals at Roland Garros, she went like three sets, um, lost out to Yelena Ostapenko, I think. Um, and you know she could quite well have, you know, we all know what Ospenko went on to do. So that's probably her the peak of of Bish- Bishinski's career.
1: Yeah, def- definitely. And uh, you know, I think her kind of a legacy to tennis. I think you know, reading about her story and particularly those kind of injury, uh, you know, that injury that she and those setbacks she had, that sort of I think were in the, uh, you know, kind of were the prelude to you know what was to come and it was interesting i think to hear about the fact that she fell out she fell out of love with kind of tennis you know given those injuries and she really kind of struggled for motivation she really was in that sort of dark patch in that kind of period of time but she got a call um i think to play the french open uh, i think it was french open qualifying um some sort of qualifying event and she was like i'm just gonna go do it you know i'm Got no expectation, and she stepped foot back out on the court, and she realised, you know, what she had been missing, and it was it was kind of it's fascinating to kind of read about her kind of career and the fact that you know she fell out of love of the she fell out of love with the sport, but she fell back in love with it, and you could just see where that kind of took her, and you know the fact that she got a, you know silver medal, um, reached the top ten in in the singles as well. She had a really, really, I think, impressive kind of career uh, and one that I think was kind of built on the fact that you know she had those kind of low points but at the same time they really kind of fed fed her motivation um, you know throughout her career and it's great to kind of I think relive those those moments that she had because they were very impressive you know the fact that she got to those two French Open semi-finals I think Ostapenko I think Serena Williams I think she was up a set actually on, on Serena Williams um, so yeah, I think, yeah, she'll look back at those, maybe those those couple of French Opens, thinking those are probably the, the highest points.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, who knows? She may, you know, she's still pretty young, I think, uh, in terms of, you know, when tennis players can retire these days. So she may be back. Uh, I'm always taking her retirement with a bit of a pinch of salt because we've seen it happen <laughs> so many times when players suddenly decide to come back. But if she does, fair play and good luck to her. Um but yeah, I mean that pretty much almost brings us to a close for this week's um action. have got loads of tournaments happening next week. I mean, just a nod to to Gem's life though, Joel, before we go on to talk about next week. <laughs> Obviously we alluded to this earlier on, but yeah, Monfils and Svetlina have now got married, which is fantastic. Um so Gem's life is is forever, uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and I absolutely just I love the purple. I love the the colours, the the lavender of, of Monfils' suit, the sort of Extra little frilly bit. Uh, I don't know what the technical term would be to describe that on on Swizzina's outfit, the flowers. I just thought lovely stuff. Excellent.
1: I love how it was very it was very um coordinated and matched. And yeah, it was so Gail piece, wasn't it? In terms of you know, he's such a character and personality, and to wear like a purple suit, <laughs> I, I just love it. Um, I just hope we see them. I just hope we see them on court. You know. I hope we see them as a mixed doubles pairing. I'd love to hear, like, the umpire say Mr. and Mrs. Monfils.
0: Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd love to see them doing mixed doubles. I can see that
1: happening. Um... Maybe maybe
0: towards, like, maybe in a few years. I know Hmm. Selena's still very much focusing on her singles, but do you know what? Mixed doubles doesn't exactly take up an awful lot of time. I think, you know, she should... She should approach it and, and do it at the next slam or, uh, yeah, maybe they'll think different. Now they're married, maybe they'll, maybe they'll go <laughs> for it. We, we shall see. Watch the space. Um, but let's just take a look at everything that's going on this, this week, uh, that's already kicked off. We've got WTA events in, uh, Palermo in Italy. We've got, uh, Gdynia in Poland, uh, <laughs> and ATP events in Los Cabos and Umag. So, um. And Gustad oh gosh there's so many the, so many tournaments gustad oh.
1: and gustad i just get so confused with those two and i love that they're just like back to back um on clay um gustad is in switzerland though. It's not in in scandinavia it doesn't have anything to do with scandinavia so um yeah but yeah we do have some draws to kind of talk about don't we and i guess let's quickly look at kind of the wta side i mean let kim let's ca- let's do a big caveat of these draws because as we said, a lot of a lot of players have gone to the Olympics, and the players filling these draws. There's the there are big opportunities here for players. We we even as hardened tennis fans who aren't we've not really heard of to make a name for themselves, get some ranking points, boost their ranking. Um, I mean, in Piermo we've got Daniel Collins as the top seed. Samsonova is there, who you know we. Did, he's done pretty well um, of late. You know, she had that good run at Wimbledon. She's the second seed. Jill tightman always a good shout. I mean, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, Samsonova, you feel like, might be a, a one to watch.
0: Yeah, she was the one name that kind of jumped out at me just because of, you know, recent form. Although her recent form was on a grass court, so... Uh, you know, on a on a hard court might be, might be slightly different, but um, I'm hoping she can continue her run. Maybe, I mean, maybe Jill Teichman as well. But yeah, a whole host of names, I have to say, some of which I haven't uh, heard of before. Um, but, you know, it might very well be time for another qualifier or wildcard to win, oh, win yep. the title. We've seen a lot of see, that happening I can this definitely year.
1: see that happening and I can definitely see that happening uh, in Gdynia in Poland, which has been... Yeah, it's, I think has been very unlucky, unlucky in the sense that it's had, well, we talked about Potensiva was the top seed, is not playing. Sviantek obviously is not there, is at the Olympics. Um, there is just, you know, there were a lot, I think a lot of dropouts and it's not, you know, it is, again, it is not the strongest field. Uh, Zidanek is the, the second seed. Again, another player who you probably say is the, the form favorite going into, Going into the tournament, given, you know, given that it's on clay, what she did at the French Open and also what she did last week.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Zdanzek again, probably the one I've got my eye on. Perhaps Martin Martinkova as well. Got to the Prague final. Uh, Saznovic, always pretty decent. So I think, you know, this one's a bit more open, perhaps. Um, But yeah, and obviously Potinsipa not there. She uh, has had to pull out and go to the Olympics. (laughs) Um, But for the men's side, Cam Norrie is the top seed in Los Cabos. Very exciting. Uh, Isner, Query, Fritz, loads of Americans obviously there, um, as you would expect. So yeah, I mean, interesting. I really hope, I hope Cam can. Do you think can Cam can break could... his gut? Can well, he break his yeah. gut? Could this be his first tournament win? I, d- I don't know. Uh, hopefully, but I might be getting way too ahead of ourselves. We'll, we'll see what he does. But yeah, loads and loads of, um, Americans in that one. Brandon Nakashima, he's one to watch. Um, he's quite a promising, um, up and comer. So hoping he does well. And then out in Umar uh, on the clay, Albert Ramos vinolas is the top seed. And we've got, I think Kraynovich is there, so maybe he can uh, try and also break his duck again uh, this week. Uh, but oh, Carlos Alcaraz, Joel, very exciting. He's there,
1: uh... and Salvatore Caruso came. Oh yes, I mean, Caruso. I, I messaged you when this draw came out because I, I said to you, I was, I was in shock. I could not believe. Well, actually, I could believe Caruso in a in a main draw on a direct entry. We, we know the Olympics is happening if if that is happening, let's be honest. That
0: is very
1: harsh of you, Joel.
0: <laughs> I'm sure Caruso has L- enough
1: apologies, Caruso fans.
0: talent to get in on his own behalf. Um, but yeah, he's going to prove you wrong now and, and win the tournament. Let's just watch this space. Um, and then Gustav Denis Shapovalov is headlining that. This uh, is a really good this draw, This is decent. Yeah, yeah, Kasper Rude, uh, Bautista Agut, Oscar Otter, Joel, remember him?
1: Oscar Otter lost today. Oh um, did he? Yeah, oh. he lost today no, to uh no. Zizou Bergs and it it was not a pretty loss. Uh it was oh. pretty Pretty formulaic. So, He obviously
0: wants to be back on center court at Wimbledon.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's probably like, he probably just wants to play on center court on grass for the rest of his life. But, um, yeah, a bit of a, I think reality check for Oscar to there. But, um, yeah, very, I think this is probably the best draw going on. Really, really decent draw. I think, regardless of the Olympics at a a 250 level. Um, Benoit Pair as well. Is he going to win some more matches or gain, gain wins by retirements? Um, He's got a pretty good draw. Could come up against Casper Ruud though in, in the quarters. So um, yeah, a lot. I, you know, my eye is on there. Hugo Gaston as well is in in that draw. Um, plays Juan Manuel Serendolo in the first round. Ooh, one of the Serendolo brothers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would just ask though, if you're like Shapovalov, why are you going to play like a clay event? W- wouldn't you want to prioritise hard courts already and like go out to America and? Do a kind of Rafa and, and Kyrgios and play Washington, which is, I think, next week. But, I mean, I just thought it was a bit of an interesting decision uh, from someone like him who would be aiming to do very, very well at the US Open. I just, I wouldn't do it if I was him, but hey-ho.
1: Also, I so I've just actually looked on the results, Kim. Benoit Paire has actually won already. Wonderful he won oh, his first round match in two sets, six, three, seven, six. So he's already halfway there to doing something that he did last week with back to back wins on the ATV tour. But, uh, yeah, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this catch up, uh, with the passing shot, this tour catch up. Um, remember, if you want to stay up to date on all things tennis, make sure to subscribe to the passing shots on your podcasting platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Castbox, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, we will be on there. And you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app. And if you have been enjoying listening to the show and you want to help the show out, make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts.
0: And you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod. So do give us a like and follow if you don't already. Uh, Let us know your thoughts and any feedback you may have as well. Uh, We always love to hear from everyone. Um, But you can also reach us on email as well if you prefer. PassingShotPod at gmail.com.
1: And we will be back later this week on Sunday evening. Remember, if you want to get more uh, of Joel and Kim in your life, we have our latest The Book Club episode uh, talking with Abby Smith about Wimbledon's greatest games. If you just kind of scroll down on your podcasting platform, you'll be able to see that. So I recommend if you haven't listened to that already to do so. It was really kind of fascinating trip down memory lane into some of the greatest matches that you have and haven't heard of um, at Wimbledon so make sure to check that out but in the meantime I hope you can join us for our next catch up on Sunday and we will see you again soon
0: So, Joel, I assume the Olympic trophies will be to your liking, seeing as they're medals and not, you know, <laughs> modern art forms.
1: Yes. I'm just not a fan of the abstract artwork. I just think some pe- some designers, they just want to, they see these trophies in museums as opposed to in, like, players' hands. And, yeah, I'm 100% all about the medals. I've not actually seen what the medals look like uh, in Japan, but I'm sure they look really cool. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to 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 seeing them. Hopefully around Andy Murray's neck, maybe.
0: He's already got two, Joel. He doesn't need another one. It means Japanese one. (laughs) Gold is gold.